This episode is brought to you by American Metalcraft. Your building wants us. From design to delivery, coast to coast, American Metalcraft Inc., a WBE certified company, provides top quality architectural metal products. They engineer, fabricate, and finish all under one roof, saving both time and money. You can visit AmericanMetalCraft.com to explore all their products today. Welcome to the Layers of Design podcast, where we uncover the personalities behind the architecture that impacts our communities. I am your host, Ebehi. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you get inspired. I feel like these types of projects you you have to take personally. Otherwise, there's not the investment that that these communities are also putting into. A lot of the times, they're volunteering their time. They're they're not being paid to show up and and be an owner's rep or a volunteer owner's rep or or a volunteer. Uh, committee chair, they're they're also sacrificing time away from their from their work too. So um, I totally understand that. Um, being a president of an organization too, I know that that takes several hours. You're sacrificing time with your family. Um, so I think empathy is is something that I, that I possess, and probably to my detriment, but. <laughs> Because uh, I know that uh, we're talking about we charge a fee and all that, but there, there's plenty of there's plenty of fee that we do not charge, um, and that's that's because the individual people that run those projects uh, do take it personally and want to make sure that you know they get the best product. This week's guest is Emmanuel Garcia, a project architect at Willa Kearns Architects in Chicago, and the president of Architectos, the Society of Hispanic Professional Architects in Chicago, Illinois. At Willa Kearns Architects, Manny has led institutional, commercial, and educational projects, including the Purple Llama Coffee and Record Shop in Chicago's West Town neighborhood, schematic design for Ednovate's USC Hybrid High in Los Angeles, and the chapel of St. Joseph at the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe Church in Des Plaines, Illinois, which has received several awards, including an Interface Design Award from Faith and Form and an Interior Architecture Award from AIA Chicago. In 2021, Manny helped transform a former bank building into a welcoming new headquarters for the North Lawndale Employment Network, a nonprofit on the west side of Chicago, whose clients include citizens returning from incarceration and others who face the day-to-day financial hardships of poverty. So apart from his experience, Manny gives us so much insight into creating community spaces, building relationships, and working with members of the community to create thoughtful projects. This episode is very informative, and I particularly appreciate the tips Emmanuel gives to young designers pursuing community-oriented design. So let's get into it. Hi, Emmanuel. Welcome to the Layers of Design podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me, Abedi. Of course. I would like us to get started with what got you into architecture and design. What got me into architecture and design? Uh, I think for for most of at least my generation of architects, it was the romantic nature of architecture. Uh, truly, uh, being first generation, I didn't know what an architect did. Um, a lot of a lot of my uncles, a lot of family members were part of the construction industry in some way or another. Uh, I saw documentaries of architects in the past, which you know glorify. Uh, people that built gigantic buildings and temples and churches back in the day, but uh, that has certainly evolved. Uh, I came to architecture from notions of that. Uh, in high school, I was fairly strong in math and art, and I wanted to pursue something uh, that did both of those things or focused on both of those things. Um, but I, I actually was an electrical engineer for a little while and switched then into architecture and uh, when I transferred over, uh, the dean told me, uh, well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of hours here. So I thought, well, it can't be that much more hours than electrical engineering. So I'd give it a shot. And he, he was right. It was more hours. It's just, <laughs> it's just different hours. Uh, but that's, that's how I came about architecture. Wow. So do you feel like your electrical engineering experience, I'm not sure how long you were in school for electrical engineering, mm -hmm. but do you feel like that helped you when you started your architecture program and how so? Only in that particular college or school that I was in, uh, there, there was, I think, a lack of communication skills <laughs> in, the, in the college. So I, I think that that helped me hone it. I, I knew that it was something that I had to develop while I was an engineer. And I think that that is now one of my strengths as an architect is being able to communicate within a project team. Um, but truly, not really. Not <laughs> those skills have not really translated. I was, I was doing uh, computer science courses and, and circuitry and, and uh, yeah, not, none of that translated. Just a little bit on the electrical side, but that's mostly for engineers. <laughs> nice. Um, so you said you got into it because of like the romantic nature. Mm -hmm. And you also mentioned that your a few family members also had a background in construction. Mm -hmm. So going through your education and of course now throughout your experience, um, do you still feel the same way you used to feel when you thought first thought about jumping into architecture? Uh it's changed, definitely. Um again being first generation, my focus was get a job um, and also make my parents proud of all the efforts that they, you know, put into me, all the sacrifices that they made. So that was absolutely step one. Um, and it really was uh, uh, fortunate and a blessing that I got uh, accepted here at Wheeler Kearns Architects uh, because they allowed me then to explore what I wanted to do with architecture. I got um, some helping of, of community-focused design uh, in undergrad, again, through like Habitat for Humanity builds, uh, and then a, or a, a tech course, I think, uh, in grad school um, with Roberta Feldman uh, that was community-centered architecture. Um, and we did a, a small project of how it is that we could beautify a, a 
think it was, I think it was technically the, the North Lawndale area here in Chicago. Um, and it was a semester long project and there's a lot of abandoned buildings. How can architecture help uh, improve uh, the look of that neighborhood with knowing that all these buildings are abandoned? So we took a all of the, uh, all the boarded up windows um, and went a very low budget, just painted them all hot pink and uh, then created then crowns atop those buildings as well. So it, it really made an impact, at least for like the three or four houses that we were able to, to alter. Um, but that was the first time I was like, that, that was pretty cool. And you had then people in the neighborhood also come out to, uh, to help out because uh, they also wanted to make it look nice. And, um, and it, more than anything, it brought awareness to the fact that those buildings were abandoned and wow, they're, they're, they're fairly good stock. Yeah. They would have to be torn down to the studs, but Hey, let's envision what this could become. Um, so through that, I think was then, all right, I want to, I want to do community architecture. That's what I want to do. Nice. So I, I just have to ask why hot pink? <laughs> That one, that wasn't, uh, I think it was uh, because UIC is fairly conceptual. They really lean into the, the CMYK. So it won against uh, the cyan and the yellow. So <laughs> okay. yeah. I, I was just curious, you know, I feel like um, some a lot of people kind of shy away from really bold or bright colors. Yeah. Um, but that's that's an interesting choice. Okay, before we go really far, because I really want to dive into, you know, your interest with community design and how you design for the community. But I, um, I would like to talk a bit more about your experience at Willa Kearns um, Architects. You mentioned that, um, you know, Willa Kearns really helped you to kind of explore. So for a, you know, to any young designer listening, is this something that you kind of um, you know, made aware to your bosses that you're really interested in exploring a certain type of design or was this more of like an opportunity that was thrown at you? I think Wheeler Kearns is special in that they they specifically or they make a point of uh, of, of allowing our architecture office as a whole to be able to work on community community architect yeah. uh, community architecture projects. Um, and we're set up here. I think it's, I think we nickname it the Robin hood method. So we work on really high end homes that allow us to then be able to work on community architecture projects. Uh, we do make it, and, and I'll, I'll be clear. We do make it a point to not do pro bono work. Uh, so mm-hmm. we, we do charge a fee. Uh, it is lower than a fee that we would charge then to, uh, a high end residential client. Um, but we do think that a fee is important because it makes everyone pay attention and it makes that, that those decisions that much more, uh, efficient, hopefully. Um, and, and yeah, so our, our office does a a good amount of community architecture. Uh, It's not just me. There's, there's a lot of people that do a lot of community architecture, but I also do residential, um, not as much as other people in the office, but we think that the details that you develop in residential design should then make their way into the community architecture uh, projects. Um, those details uh, translate. It's the same studs. It's the same yeah. envelope. Um, and, and truly it's because community architecture projects 
uh, deserve that level of design too. That's that's how it is that we're set up here, which is a little bit different than other offices. Um, we, we know that for sure. Definitely. Well, first of all, I just love that, um, you know, the idea of putting a fee to the community architecture, because I feel like a lot of times, you know, people take it another route of kind of serving the community through pro bono work, which is fantastic. But again, you know, that kind of almost, I don't want to say devalues the profession, but, you know, it starts to other people begin to see architecture as this field where you can just ask architects to, you know, quickly design a community space, (laughs) which of course we should get paid. Um, So it's very, it's, it's like you're changing the narrative, which is pretty cool to see. Okay. So now going into community centered design, what does that mean to you? I'll speak specifically about the the projects that I have worked on. Uh, A lot of them, a lot of them deal with with communities that that aren't familiar with the build process. They're, okay. they've, they've never done this before in their lives, and it might be the only time they ever do it. So it, it makes it that much more critical to get it right. Um, it is definitely uh, design designed through community, designed by committee, um, where you have uh, a lot of. At, at the beginning, a lot of disparate ideas as to, well, we think it should be this and it should be that. Uh, and, and I like how they did this over here. And I like that. Um, a, a lot of these projects, they don't understand uh, scale where, hey, I'd love if we had this gym, but your lot is only so big. And mm-hmm. then there's no room for the lobby or the bathrooms and all that. So a, a big part of it is taking all those ideas and translating them in such a way that they understand it. Mm-hmm. They understand what they want. Um, and then arranging it again in such a way where it's level of priorities. And after that, like, okay, what's, what's the big idea? What's the heart of the project? Um, and then everything else then supports that idea. Uh, because I, I think that that uh, is also uh, something that, that nonprofits or institutions struggle with as well is, at the core of, of it, what is it that we deliver as an organization? Uh, and like that, that architecture should amplify that message. Mm, that's very nice. So you have to be almost very involved in the community in order to amplify the message. Yeah. And uh, in the last few years, and actually in the last year, we've started to develop um, a new way of, of starting those conversations uh, again, specifically in our office, we used to have just a series of questions that we would ask. And from those questions, then we take that information, we go and, uh, and start developing the programming document and schematic design and de- design development. Um, but we have found it that it's, a, it's, it's more intuitive for mm-hmm. the community if you do a series of workshops in which they also then partake in the development of that program and schematic design to some extent. And that way it's not, hey, we listen to your answers and we think that you all would like this. Instead, it's sit down with them, do the series of workshops and develop. It's, it's a little bit more fast paced. It's a little bit more commitment from the community. But, uh, but that way it's, it's uh, a scheme that's, that's developed uh, as, um, as a whole, not just us as the architects, but also the community or the committee or the board is involved with 
with the process uh, from the get-go. Nice. So as an architect, um, you know, being really involved in the community, is there any unique skill you feel like you possess that helps you with community design? Uh, empathy. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like these types of projects you, you have to take personally. Otherwise, there's not the investment that, that these communities are also putting into. The, a lot of the times, they're volunteering their time. They're, they're not being paid to show up and, and be an owner's rep or a volunteer owner's rep or, or a volunteer uh, committee chair. They're, they're also sacrificing time away from their, from their work, too. So um, I totally understand that. Um, being a president of an organization too, I know that that takes several hours. You're sacrificing time with your family, um, so I think empathy is is something that I, that I possess, and probably to my detriment. But <laughs> I know that uh, we're talking about we charge a fee and all that, but there, there's plenty of there's plenty of fee that we do not charge. Um, and that's that's because the individual people that run those projects uh, do take it personally and want to make sure that, you know, they get the best product. So how do you even begin to get these projects? Is this something where you have to be kind of on ground to be part of the community to right. under to seek or kind of, you know, just get the first, um, I guess, the first here on, oh, the community needs a community center. And then you get, start going for that. It's a... It's a little bit of everything. Um, so we we do have a few projects where, hey, there's there's actually a competition that's happening three, three four blocks away, and we participate in those. Um, I think the most recent one was in Garfield Park uh, where we did that. Uh, there, are, there are benefits to the Robin Hood method that I talked about where a lot of those people that we're building houses for serve on nonprofit boards uh, and, and pretty high up on boards or they're angel donors to projects and they see the work that we do on the houses and they go, hey, that was, that was fantastic. Would you be able to do this for uh, this food pantry uh, that, that I'm a board member on or, um, or a church that I'm involved with or, or, or what have you? But um, that, that's another method. And the third one is... Uh, we we tend to keep a pretty tight network of clients a lot of our clients are repeat um not just for not just on the client side but then also on our consultants and i guess the equivalent of us but on the on a owner's rep side and it's through the and contractors especially contractors it is through then those relationships with our contractors and our engineers and our owner's reps they pitch us jobs every once in a while as well from their own networks. And they know, hey, Wheeler Kearns really takes it seriously. And because we do, we get those recommendations. So a lot of it is from from word of mouth. Um, and, we're, and we're lucky uh, that that's sustained us for this long. Nice. So it's really all about really building those good connections and, of course, doing a great job. So the connections, you know, keep you at the back of their mind, but also being on ground and, you know, within the community. Right. And Those are really good strategies. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of planting seeds and a lot of different places. And you never know when it'll, when it'll grow or when it'll flower. So, 
um, it, it has, it definitely has its benefits and, uh, it just makes it important to, to, uh, make sure that we're, we're client focused in, in our services and making sure we just get back to people in a timely manner. And, and, uh, and honestly, it's, we don't work with a lot of, uh, commercial clients because we okay. do, we do like to focus on projects where the end users are the clients, mm. whether that's the, the, the house project, the residential projects, uh, or the institutional projects. Uh, we love working with the principals of a school because they're going to run the school for a while or, or more so the directors, but we have to know that director is going to be involved, uh, you know, from day one, uh, and carry through. So I'm curious, are there some projects, more questions just keep yep. popping up, but <laughs> are there some projects that you kind of turn away and how do you gauge which projects, you know, you really want to pursue or which projects is just not the right yeah. time? So, um, a lot of the, nonprofit projects that we have worked on, uh, the successful ones or the really successful ones usually have a really strong leader mm. or a really strong board. Uh, okay. it, it's just as important for, for them to know what it is that they would like out of a project in the end. It doesn't, we, they don't have to know what it looks like, but they have to know what they want. Um, and that, that's important. Um, and, and you could tell who it is that's done their homework and who, who hasn't. Um, and also who has the drive to, to get a project to where it needs to go. Um, a lot of times these projects don't have the funds right off the, right off the bat. So it, it, our involvement is, is usually in, in two phases or three phases, depending on how fast they want to go. Uh, we have those initial conversations of, Hey, I want to put together, I want to put together a youth theater here. Um, and I, I have a space, we have a space that we bought. It's kind of mothballed. Uh, we need to, we need to bolster the community to raise funds. So we're brought in to think through just briefly that program and schematic design. And from that, uh, develop then renderings that they use either, um, either hand sketches or, or actual, uh, 3D model, um, we, we give those or, or, you know, offer those to the client and they use then those images to put together a big fundraiser um, to then be able to afford the project. And we like to partner with contractors right from the get-go to, to get that early pricing set mm-hmm. going. So enough detail set, they can say, yeah, we did a, a theater not too long ago. That was like $500 a square foot, $600 a square foot. And uh, you have a 2,000 square foot uh, uh, project. So from that, you know, an initial budget and then that then sets the fundraising goal. So depending on how it, how quickly it is that they can move and how quickly they can tap into those, those, those donor dollars, uh, then determines how fast they'd like to go through, you know, formalized SDDD and all that. Um, so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of legwork from uh, from the community in getting those projects off the ground, um, and also flexibility from us to understand they're gonna they're gonna take a little bit of time, um, and, or they're gearing to go, which is rare. They have all the funds ready, and, and they they just need us to put together a design. Wow. 
So before I ask you my last question, uh-huh. I know you mentioned Architectos. Um, so I would like to talk more on that, your involvement with Architectos. And personally, this is my first time of, you know, learning about your organization. So I would like you to share a bit more about what you do and what you stand for. Inc. is a national organization. Um, we have members across the nation. We have been around for over 30 years. Uh, it is in the last few years that we've really uh, grown or made an impact um, uh, truly at the national level. Um, we are a, uh, a society of Hispanic professional architects um, where we're, we're, uh, we're focused on celebrating the great work that Latinx architects uh, and immigrants have, have done here in the States, um, but also providing a platform. That's what we've been focusing on the last few years, providing a platform for that expertise to be able to then showcase it to the world. Um, so uh, this is something that an organization that I, I really just stumbled into through Wheeler Kearns. So a, 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 f- a board member uh, served then on a community board that was reviewing one of our projects and they just invited our organization over uh, to a fundraising event for the organization, for Arquitectos. Uh, and through that, I, I got to meet a lot of cool people, uh, a few board members that, who said, hey, if you'd like to get involved, there's, there's definitely the room. So uh, that, was, that was four and a half years ago, five years ago. Wow. Um, and we were a membership of about four or five people or regularly meeting with a board of four or five people. Our board now meets regularly with probably a dozen people and our general body meeting uh, had over 50 people uh, about a month ago with with hybrid presentation style. So we had people joining from um, from California and Texas. And um, it's it's a, really a one stop shop for uh, any any young professionals, seasoned professionals, whether you're uh, Latinx or not, um, doesn't matter. Uh, but it's it's a really inclusive environment where you get to uh, truly learn how you can get licensed. Uh, if you're a young professional, we offer scholarships. If you're looking to get involved with community, we do uh, build days. Um, uh, we do uh, roundtable discussions with, with aldermen's offices to, to talk about uh, how to defend yourself against predatory practices. Community members who have been a part of the community for generations uh, and really don't want to lose their homes. Uh, we do a large fundraiser in the spring via a, uh, a golf outing, uh, May 25th this year in Orland Park for those who are local. Uh, and then in the fall, we have a three-day virtual symposium um, where we showcase all that talent, all that expertise, not just of us, but of our, our network. And uh, we broadcast that internationally. Last year, we had a viewing party in Argentina. Uh, we had people joining us from Costa Rica, um, and then in the last in the last year, uh, we participated locally here at the AIA conference. Uh, we had our own booth okay. our footprint at the AIA conference in the expo, uh, and we're repeating this year in San Francisco. So, uh, if there are any Latinx organizations out there that would like to uh, get involved, uh, have a footprint at the expo, uh, make sure to shoot us an email. 
Yes, I, that means I will definitely be meeting you at the expo <laughs> this year. Great. <laughs> we'll be there. We'll be there all three days. Nice. So thank you so much for sharing about Architectos and for just sharing, you know, all of your experience with us and giving us a bit into your work. And of course, just kind of just talking more about what community oriented architecture or design is. So my last question today, from all of the great tips, great ideas that you've given us today, can you sum up three tips for any any curious designer or architect out there? Mm-hmm. Three tips for designing for the my community. Number one rule, always whenever I'm talking to uh, people younger than myself, is is don't get stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a point in every project where you get potentially paralyzed from how daunting a project is. And, and a lot of the times it's something simple that could be overcome by just simply uh, putting your ego aside and asking a question to a senior member or a senior architect because they've probably gone through it. Or it's, hey, stop wasting time. You don't understand the code section pick up the phone and call one of the inspectors or a viewer or something, uh, or, Hey, I don't know how they're going to react to this. Uh, be a little bit bold, call the client. It, it's, it's things like that. I think that, um, have, have helped me along, uh, my path, uh, like to just do it. You got to break it down into the little bite sized bite-sized pizzas. And, and then eventually you'll, you'll get through it. So that's my number one rule. Two, I would say go outside of your, you know, of your, uh, of your own community to go experience yeah. someone else's. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of what I learned or a lot of who I am today was shaped by, it's a little bit, uh, everyone does it, right? But a travel abroad program, but I, I did it for a year. Uh, U of I has a great uh, study abroad mm-hmm. program in, in Europe. Uh, when I was involved, it was in Versailles, France, but from there went to England, Spain, um, and and uh, and other countries. But uh, it was through that that I was first exposed to truly modern architecture. There is some examples of that here in Chicago, but outside of Chicago, you have to go to a little bit further to Milwaukee or got to go to St. Louis or whatever to, to get that helping. Uh, but you go to Europe and it's all like a train right away. Uh, so that was, that was really great. And also from my own uh, visits to, to visit family in Mexico, just understanding not everything looks like the United States. Not everything is to the level of detail and safety as the United States. Uh, but with that, there's also all sorts of culture that you're losing when everything becomes standardized. Uh, so I appreciate those trips that I've taken to, uh, to really those two places. But even when I came back from Europe, I realized I know nothing about the United States. So then I started doing more road trips. So uh, traveling to different cities, even Chicago is very different from San Francisco, is very yeah. different from Dallas, is very different from Kansas City. Um, so it's totally worth it to take that trip if for people who debate it, uh, but go with, you know, the, the focus of, hey, I'm going to stop by, at, you know, do a little bit of research. I'm going to stop by at this building see if I can't find um, an architect or someone locally that can give me a quick tour or something or mm. go visit a studio. Like that's, 
that's probably rule three is go visit a studio um, <laughs> um, to understand that. Uh, I'll say that's two and a half, but three, three, three would be um, get involved for those who would like to be a community architect, get involved with those boards. There are a lot of organizations out there uh, and all of them need help, uh, whether it's from people who have the time to volunteer or it's from that that next uh, generation of leaders. Um, they're all doing great work. I know that it fuels me or refuels me, uh, even though it's, it's a lot of hours to, to put into an organization, but um, it's there's a lot of bad happening in the world. And I think that there's a lot of people both, both in media and in, in articles and in podcasts who, who, who spin it as there's everything's going wrong. But yeah. if, if you do that, you, you just get so down on yourself and you just don't have the motivation. So it's going through, uh, going to those meetings with architectos, with our community oriented projects, where you just get refueled and it's just like, why not do it with an optimistic, uh, you know, outlook? Um, yeah. So it, it's, it's those, those are my three. It'd be, um, don't get stuck, travel and, and get involved. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been great, you know, just learning about your experience and learning so much from you today. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Check out the show notes for links to information referenced. I would appreciate it if you could share this episode, subscribe, follow, leave a review, or do all of the above. I am also curious to know the guests or topics you'd like me to put on my list. Thank you again.